Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way, and that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Zinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Hey, everybody. We have a 10 queries episode. I love these so much. Julie, I'm so excited. Are you excited? It's been too long. It's been too long. (laughs) And we have a wonderful volunteer. Ismita Hussein is a new agent for our faculty. Ismita, I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy that you agreed to do this. Tell us about you so all our listeners can get to know you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here. I'm excited. A little bit about myself. I'm Ismita. I'm an agent at Great Dog Literary. We are a small boutique agency and we represent every genre and every age range including adult. Before I came to agenting I actually had a career in healthcare and then the pandemic happened and a really wonderful series of fortunate events led me to decide to jump over into publishing instead. I am also a founding member of Disability and Publishing and I currently represent pretty much everything in the adult sphere, nonfiction and fiction except for sci-fi and fantasy. And then I also do a little bit of YA as well. Mm. What are you super, super excited to find in your inbox? Like if there was one project you could say, I want this in my inbox tomorrow, what would it be? Honestly, adult literary fiction, like the next Donna Tarp would be wonderful. Oh, yes. (laughs) I think for me, it's just beautiful writing. Something that you just get totally swept up in and you're like, this writing is it. You know, it's really good writing. That makes me so happy because I feel like for so long, we've been on the commercial end of things in the industry. Everyone's been really excited. And me too. I mean, there are so many different ways that a book can be extraordinary. But something about fall and literary fiction goes together for me. And I'm really happy that that's the sort of thing that we can expect to see more of too. I totally agree with you. And it's funny because I feel like when I was first starting out, the correct answer for what you wanted to work on was literary fiction. And then everything went commercial. (laughs) And now we're heading back in the literary direction. So that's really interesting to see kind of like how we're all supposed to not wear skinny jeans anymore like trends come and go mm-hmm. well i'm wearing skinny jeans right now so. <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think it's interesting how in the pandemic i think in some ways our ability to focus like we we're looking for the things that were grabbing us and i think as we're kind of just like slowing back into normal really being able to dive into beautiful passages and just really get lost because it's more of a pleasure to be home reading again you know we're going back to that normal Tell us what you do like when you're not reading. What are your passions? So before I tell you that, it's actually funny that you bring up the shortened attention span everyone has. I think everyone's feeling that after everything we've gone through in the last couple of years. But this is a hot take of mine. I am convinced that short story collections, even more than before, will become a thing. I think short fiction is on the rise. And I know a lot of people will probably disagree with me in the industry right now. But I really feel like really great short stories and short story collections will be in 
very soon. I, I hope that. so. And I think it's very possible. There's always some reason why a genre doesn't work. Like I remember people saying, oh, historical. Nobody wants historical for teens. Teens are always forward looking. And now there's a ton of historical out there. There's always that. No, we can't do that. Absolutely not. Five years later. Oh, that's not what we meant. Of course, teenagers like time and escapism. You know, there's always it, both sides of it. It's so interesting to me. I hope you're right about short stories. I hope so, too. And going back to your question on what I'm doing outside of reading and writing, I love crafting and doing things with my hand. I fancy myself a DIYer, but the results are mixed. <laughs> we are how things work out. Like I'm really excited for the fall and for holidays. I love making wreaths actually for doors. I'm so to start planning already for what my holiday decorations will be and things like that. Oh my goodness. Do you put all kinds of cute things on them in, in addition to the greens? I do. I do. I love that. I was a professional wreath maker and high You were? Really? Yeah, like <laughs> for Christmas wreaths, you know, like I worked in the time and made one. She's yeah. done everything. It's just one of those things, oh. like every day you learn something new. Oh, it's just so funny. I feel like I just tapped out in high school. Like, that's it. <laughs> Can we just go back to the short story? Because I think this is so interesting. I don't think we've ever talked about this. Like, what is the best steps for the short story writer? Do you build a collection? Do you try to get published in an anthology? Do you try to go to something like The New Yorker or get published in one of the reviews? Like, tell us how you see as an agent, would you represent short stories and what is the path? I know there's multiple, but where where are you with it? So I think that's really interesting. So I do represent short story collections and I represent plenty of writers who are novelists, but also work in that format and write in that format. So one thing that I think is really important are publications for those individual stories, right? So when I'm considering a collection, when I see one in my very inbox, I always look at the quality of the writing first. However, it only helps if out of the 10 stories in your collection, let's say four or five of them have been published in notable literary magazines. I found that as a writer, you kind of have to work your way up. You're not going to get into New Yorker, most likely, right, with your very first short story before you have any other bylines. So you work your way up and there's tiers of really, really wonderful literary magazines and reviews that do that. It is difficult and it takes a long time for, I was a literary agent. It's how I got my start in the industry. I was helping some writers that I'm friends with send out their short stories and then eventually query. So I know how hard it is, but it's really important. And then also I think it's harder as a debut to come out with a short story collection before you have a novel out. Because if someone's interested in your novel and loves it and they see there's a short story collection that you publish after, it's more natural for them to go that way rather than short story collection and then read your novel. The whole culture around short stories too. I mean, I love going to readings. That's something I really, really missed going and hearing people read their work and just being astonished at the wonderful surprises that would occur that evening. Okay, so we are here for 10 queries. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what it's like to go into your inbox and then go ahead and get started. Sure. So I use Query Manager like a lot of other agents do. And honestly, I like to believe that it makes everyone's lives easier. I try to make my form as succinct, but also informative as possible and easy to use. I hope my querying authors feel that way too. And on the agent side of things, it's really easy. You know, we get so many emails to our normal inbox that oftentimes even the best queries can get lost. So Query Manager has been really helpful in making sure that I'm able to consider every single query that I receive. 
as well as shortening the amount of time it takes me. They've made it really easy. So with that being said, I do try to respond to every single query unless it's offensive or something like that. But I do respond to every query. And unless I'm reading a full, I try to respond within two weeks. That's my goal for now. I've been able to hold that, but we'll see. Now with fall, I know people are writing and sending out queries more. So we'll see if I'm able to hold to that. I ask a question about Query Manager that comes up a lot at the Manuscript Academy. People throw down because I guess everyone's Query Manager is a little bit different. So when someone makes a mistake, is it the end of the world? What are your thoughts about mistakes? That's a good question. We do get that question a lot. Yeah. And I feel like as long as you try your best, we can tell on this side of things, right? So let's say, for example, my query manager asks for a query letter, and then there is a space for a synopsis, as well as a very short one sentence pitch, and then an author bio as well, among a couple of other things. So if your query letter is ready to go and it already has a bio, I get a lot of those where they just copy and paste the bio and put it in the bio section, right? Or they will politely say, please see query letter when I get to the bio section. As long as all of that information is there, the more complete your query is with the information, the easier it is for me to consider and the higher the chances are that I'm able to spend more time with your query. So I think as far as mistakes goes, if you accidentally misspell my name or something like that, it's totally not the end of the world. We get so many of these. I'm usually not even looking at who it's addressed to, right? I just need to know what the query is about and what you're offering. Mm. So I'm very forgiving on mistakes. I've been on this side not too long ago and I know how hard it is. So I can feel the collective sigh of relief as we put this podcast out in the future. It is so full of angst for writers. And I think that's true. Like it is sometimes redundant, but as long as information's there, usually you're good. Those are some great tips. All those relieved writers out there. I mean, people get very, very stressed about it, which I understand. They just want to do the right thing. Okay, ready for your first of your 10 queries? Yes, I'm writing. Let's go. Yay. Okay. Okay. We've got a new adult fiction query. New adult is something that I am open to, but it's a little tough sometimes because new adult can either feel very much YA or it can feel like it is adult, but it just happens to be characters and situations that are more applicable to younger adults like myself. The word count is right. It's around 70 to 75,000 words, which is fine for a novel. It's a contemporary new adult romance. I'm a little bit pickier with my genre fiction, so romance, mystery, things like that. I really appreciate the fact that the title, the genre, the word count, and the fact that it's complete is within the first two sentences, right? So that tells me already, like, okay, I know what I'm considering. And then it gives me a little bit of information on kind of the background of where the story's coming from, as well as the fact that there is an editor who would be interested in seeing it from a pitch contest, which is always helpful for us to know. But also, you know, at the end of the day, I have to like the query in the manuscript. And even if you have a long laundry list of editors who have requested it, that won't necessarily mean an offer for me. So that's the first paragraph. And then there's a little bit of a synopsis and what the main character's wants and hopes are, which is helpful. And then there's one sentence, very short, about the fact that the author who is querying me is a debut and where they are in life, which is nice. And then signing off. So a query like this, I would say pretty much perfectly done. It has all the information that I'm looking for. It's easy to find. 
It's separated into paragraphs by what it's talking about. And this query letter makes me want to skip to the sample and take a look and see whether or not the writing is of merit. And the sentences are good, right? Because the way you spoke about sentences before, I imagine the sentences in this are beautiful too. Yes. Yes. And for me, for a query letter, it doesn't have to be like this beautifully crafted, really well-written thing. It really just has to come across with all the information that I'm looking for. I don't judge writers by the quality of the writing in their query letter. Usually. And let's make a note to talk about new adult later because I can feel all of the future listeners being like, but wait. Okay. So here's a query that I get pretty often. It's for literary adult fiction. The word count is around 65,000 words. This one starts a little differently. This one starts with a short pitch synopsis of the story itself. So you're immediately immersed. I will say that it's pretty jarring sometimes if query letters start in the point of view or written by the characters themselves. Don't do that, at least not with me. But this author doesn't do that. They're just explaining what the story is about. Second paragraph tells me the information that I need to know, which is the word count, that it's complete, and which genre it is. It goes back into synopsis. And at this point, it feels a little synopsis heavy, right? I want to know a little bit more than just like the plot line. I want to know what are the themes in the book, perhaps, or what are the struggles that the character is facing, as well as a little bit more about the author. The last paragraph has some comparable titles, which are always helpful. And that's it. So that makes me feel like I need to go look at the author's bio and see if there's anything there. There's nothing there. So in that case, I would still take a look at the query, but I am wondering a lot of things, right? I'm wondering what are the driving forces? What are the themes? And why is this book different from any other book that's literary fiction that has a similar plot line? And I'm also curious about authors. Okay. This one is a little bit low on the word count. It is around 30 to 40,000 words. It's nonfiction. So immediately I'm thinking this is an extremely low word count. And usually that's one of two reasons. Either the author doesn't realize that that is extremely low for a book, especially for their genre, or this is nonfiction for perhaps an age range that I don't represent. So the first paragraph here mentions that the age range is for teenagers and young adults. So it is an age range that I would represent for nonfiction. So the word child is so low at this point, it's probably almost an automatic no, but I'll take a look anyway at the query letter just to see if they have like a really good idea. That way, maybe I can respond to them and let them know that once they work up and like bulk up their manuscript, that they can send it back to me. However, taking a look at this, the genre is listed under cultural and social issues, which I'm very particular about. And I get a lot of health-related things as well, just with my background. And that's what I'm looking for. But I tend to not want very dry health-related books or like diet books and things like that. A lot of people put a lot of common topics under that health umbrella, and I don't necessarily look for all of those. So this one is one of those nonfiction projects that sounds relatively dry. And just taking a look at the query and like the explanation of the research that's done behind it, this feels a little bit too academic too for the YA nonfiction sphere, which needs to be a little bit more exciting for young adults to be able to pick it up. And probably not a topic too that I think that I consider young adults to be really interested in. So with that being said, just a lot of explanation, a lot of the research explained in the query letter. And then the last paragraph is just the author's credentials, which is really important for nonfiction. Obviously, you want to know that the author is the right person to write that nonfiction book. So this will probably be a no for me just because of the word count and the fact that it sounds like it's very dry nonfiction, which I'm not looking for for YA. Okay, let's move to the next one. Yeah, the next one 
it is adult humor fiction and satire. So this is one genre that I have considered taking off of my query manager, but then I end up keeping it on. I love humorous writing. I have a really dry and dark sense of humor myself and love that in the books that I read. However, I found that this is a really tricky genre, I would say, or subject matter. Humor is really hard to achieve, especially across the page and through words. So usually I get like my quirkiest projects, but you never know. You never know what's going to end up in there and what's going to be good. So let's take a look at this. Starts out with, again, the title, the word count, the fact that it's a dark comedy and it's commercial, which is nice, as well as similar books in sense of humor, which is super helpful, right? So this is a really wonderful first paragraph to have. And then it goes into some quotes from the book, which is not as helpful because I haven't read the book. So I would say probably don't do that. It has a few thematic elements that's boy meets girl story. And then a little bit of a synopsis, which is nice. And then I would say this one probably has a little bit too much synopsis. And I find that a lot in my queries where you want to have your query letter as succinct as possible. I just need a few sentences about the plot in general. I don't need to know exactly what happens or how it ends. Where I want to see that, though, is if I request a full manuscript and I request that full synopsis and you give me you know, the ending and you do all the spoilers. Can you tell me, because this comes up too, how many words on a query letter is too long for your inbox? Or does query manager just cut that off? Query manager does not cut that off. If it does, it must be an insane number because I've never seen something that's cut off. But let me take a look here and see how many words this is. Okay, so I would say a sweet spot probably for a query letter that's complete in any genre that I represent would probably be no longer than 300 words. So about a page. See, we're hearing over here because, <laughs> because when we do events, we're like, hey, everybody, up to 300 words. And everyone's like, these are too short. No, you can do it. I promise. So I would say having something that's like 150 words is probably the minimum because you do need to get a lot of information across. However, I think 150 to 250 is like the perfect sweet spot for me. Obviously, if you're querying with like a picture book or something like that, your query letter can be a lot shorter. But for me, that's about the right length. I love it when our guests validate what we say, Julie. We get a little self-satisfied when that happens. We're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like told you so. <laughs> right. But I think it's interesting because like it's the just enough, right? Where is the just enough mark? And I think people over rely on the synopsis. And by you just saying that, I think it's going to validate that you could four sentences, five sentences can sometimes do it. Right. Right. You know, like your first sentence should really have all the demographics. So title, word count, whether or not it's complete genre. And then you can have another sentence to two about the gist of the book, the themes in the book, the central force that's driving the character. And then you just wrap it up with a sentence or two about who you are and why you're writing the book. And that's it. That's all we need. So easy. I've been noticing more and more in my queries is that people use pen names, which is fine, or pseudonyms. That's perfectly okay, of course. But do tell me who you are. I think that's important. It's held with the utmost confidence. I will not share your name if you elect to use a pen name or anything like that. But in order to get to know who the author is behind the book, I think it's important to know your name and their biography a little bit as well. 
So just the pen name is not as helpful. So do you like the legal name writing as pen name? Yeah, I think that's helpful. You know, I just say that more is like for the bio section, because a lot of the times when people use a pen name, they will provide a bio. I guess the only example I can think of that where it didn't feel necessary was someone was like, I am in publishing and you might know me. And I was like, okay, fair. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's really yeah, funny. There are exceptions to every rule, of course. Okay, let's see. Number six, we've got another adult fiction in the offbeat perky genre, and it's a little less than 80,000 words. I also have a notification here that the author was previously published and previously represented, which is always interesting to me because if it's previously published, I wonder how has the author done in their writing career so far? How far are they? Was it independent or self-publishing, things like that. And then previously represented is always something that I want to know because I don't want to step on the toes of any other agent if for some reason the author was not aware of the rules. There's so many unwritten rules in this industry of cutting ties with that agent before they query and things like that. And also, it's always interesting to know, but I think it's important why you've parted ways with your previous agent, you know? Wait, 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 wait. Wait, are, are you saying, I hope this isn't true, but it, it might be. How would we know? Are you saying some writers query while they still have their old agent? Yes. Oh, I have found, I have found that usually they are not aware that that's a no-no. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. Well, I'm interested in how you phrase this. People you always say we pardon well. ways amicably. Exactly. Right. Or, or is there another way to say it? My agent left the profession. That's an easy one, right? Right. When it goes poorly and you don't, you don't really know whose fault it is. Like, what is the best way to phrase that for the writer? I see this in my query letters all the time. So usually what I see is either that note that they parted amicably or it will just say I was previously represented and I'm happy to give you more details about it. And that's just a way of saying it could go either way. It could be amicably or it just needs a conversation. And I always try to have that conversation with my authors if I'm interested with them just to see, you know, what happened. And I think it's really helpful on my side of things too, not to place blame and see whose fault it was, but rather how this potential relationship can go differently. Right. Like if X went wrong, is that likely to go wrong with me? Right. Well, I mm -hmm. think sometimes, too, that people wonder if you are with an agent and you part ways and then you're still querying that same project, it can, it can get really complicated, right? I mean, like it could have been on submission. You need to know where it went. I mean, yeah. that, that gets really sticky. It does. Yeah. I do have a client that was in that position and I ended up taking him on, but I was really transparent saying, look, I'm the second agent coming in behind this. So let's talk about realistic expectations, right? And how things will be different compared to if you were to have brought this to me before you were represented ever and before this went on submission ever. So I think it's just really important to be honest and clear about like what to expect. I think the, and I'd be happy to say more, is a classy way of doing it. Like there's no reason that anyone should be putting in all of their queries. I was represented by this person and they're terrible for the following reasons. It doesn't what, have to be that you hate each that? other. And I haven't seen it. I'm sure someone somewhere has thought about it, but you don't have to like hate your previous agent and they don't have to hate you. It can just be a, it didn't work out and you still 
like and respect each other. And oftentimes I've also seen that it just happens that the author decided to take their writing career in a different direction. They started writing a genre that the agent just wasn't right for and therefore they parted ways. There's a million reasons why, you know, that author could be represented by someone before and is not now and is in the querying trenches again. I never hold that against a querying author. But it's just something to note where I'm like, okay, I need to ask them about this if I take this further. And I think you can generally trust your former agent to be honest and respectful, too. I've certainly been in the awkward situation where people are like, hey, I heard you worked with this person. What happened? I'm not going to throw him under the bus. (laughs) I'm just going to say we disagreed about where the book should go, you know. Definitely. Definitely. Okay, so this query by the author that was previously represented and published is super succinct. So it's only three paragraphs, which I love. The first paragraph is the title and pretty much just a short synopsis of what happens in the book, who the main characters are, and the plot summary. The second paragraph is a bio where the person was raised and things like that. And then also a nice note about sharing similar tastes and favorite authors, which is always nice. And querying authors should never feel pressured to have to customize or personalize every single one of their query letters. I would rather you just present the information than to pretend that you like Flannery O'Connor because I like Flannery O'Connor. So don't feel pressure to do that. But it's nice when they genuinely do and they point it out, isn't it? Yes, it is nice. It is nice. And it's also nice to see all the different connections you have with people. Like I'll get offered all the time for like, hey, you know, you went to Emory and my son goes to Emory or someone will be like, oh, I work in healthcare and this is something that I wrote in my free time. So it's always nice to see those connections. But at the end of the day, the writing has to shine. And then the last paragraph on this query is a more detailed bio of the person and what books they've written before. And that's about it. This is definitely something that I'll take a look at and be interested in seeing whether or not the writing pans out. Okay, number seven. Number seven also has a short word count. It is a little less than 40,000 words. It is a short story collection. So short story collections, I have been told, although, you know, I don't believe this, are hard to sell. So they're hard sells to editors, especially if you're a debut. However, I do represent them. And that just means that a short story collection for me to be able to offer on it has to be spectacular. Like I cannot put it down. So let's take a look at this query. The first paragraph is the title and the word count, which is nice. And then some adjectives of the collection, which are essentially not really that helpful to me. Words like beautifully written or type prose, things like that. When it's in a query letter and the author is saying that about themselves, it doesn't really add anything on my side of things because essentially I have to take a look at the writing and judge it for myself. But This first paragraph also has the setting, which is nice. And then there's a second paragraph about what each of the stories focuses on. So something that's really popular with short story collections right now is a linked short story collection, which is where there are recurring characters and then different themes and things like that, or they're connected in some way. So that's always nice to see in my short story collections. That makes it easier. And then there's a third paragraph that just points out a couple of the stories in particular and gives me a synopsis, one sentence, which is perfect for a short story collection. There's no bio, but I'll pop over and see there's a bio pasted where they asked for one. So that's nice. And then the author signs off. There's no email address or phone number, which is fine. I'm able to contact them through the query manager portal, but sometimes it's helpful to have a phone number. 
I personally love it when I just like absolutely love a manuscript and I've spent all night reading it. And in the morning I give them a call and I surprise them at work or something like that. It's lovely for me, but obviously not required. I wish we could tag along with you the next time you do that. So we'll be like, so fun. Cool. What about amazing. Yeah. One of my current authors, I actually did that with him because he also had like an offer to publish the book. So it was rather timely. So I was like, let me just call him and see. So I called him and he was at work. He's a teacher. And later on, once he signed with me and everything, he shared that he had a ceiling because he saw my name pop up on the caller ID and he didn't know what to do with himself. And his class was coming back from lunch. So he just grabbed his nearest coworker and gave her a hug. And I just love that story. And that's exactly why I love calling people if I can. Even if you leave a message, you know, it's just exciting rather than sending an email. Well, I thought you were going to say he put it on speaker for his whole class. I know. I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's what the kids would do. I mean, I think with this, like anytime we can have a human connection in this business, I mean, it feels like it's a void. And just by doing that, you're putting out, even if you don't sign with that person, you're putting up such hope and positivity and you're like wind in their sails, the whole thing. So I think that's just a lovely practice. Yeah. Many of us should be doing that, you know. Someone gets and cares about my work. This is what we all want. Yes, exactly. And querying is such a vulnerable process. You're just putting it all out there that I think the least someone can do. And this is also why, even if it is a form of rejection, I do strive to respond to every person because I think it's the minimum we can do. It's just showing respect for your craft as well. And I totally understand agents out there who are unable to do this, but this is my personal philosophy. I think it's wonderful to do as long as you can. With the short story collection, it is low on the word count. So I'll probably take a peek and see if the writing just sweeps me away. And if it does, I'll do the same thing where I let the author know, you know, this is shy of what I need it to be. So come back to me if you decide to expand on it. And one thing that's missing from this very letter that's important for me to know is whether or not any of these stories have been published in magazines and things like that. So I'm guessing because she didn't mention it that they haven't been published. But if I were to request a full manuscript, that is something that I would follow up on. Okay, number eight is a little bit high on the word count. It is a little shy of 95,000 words and it's new adult. Let's take a look. The query letter is extremely long. The first paragraph tells me about why this book is unique, which is interesting, but also reading through the paragraph, it doesn't really strike me as something that's not been done before. So moving on. The second paragraph and the third paragraph are detailed synopses of the plot, which is fine. And then at the end of the query letter, you have the title, the word count, as well as important details like the genre, the themes like magic realism that are included, as well as books that this may remind me of. And also a really wonderful story about why the author decided to start writing this book. I love seeing the stories. You know, if your query letter is a little longer than it should be because you're telling me a wonderful story of how the book came to be. That's totally fine with me. I love reading those stories. And then just another paragraph that's a sign off and asking me to request a complete manuscript if I'm able to, which is nice. And then there is a PS at the end that lets me know that the manuscript is out to another agent, which writers, you don't have to do this. Okay. If we assume that you are submitting your query to multiple agents, it is an inevitability that 
some of those agents will request your full manuscript. For us, that's not really something we need to know and not something that will make us prioritize a manuscript over another. However, you should always let an agent know if you have an offer, either from a publisher or from another agent, and give us the time to get back to you on that. How do you feel about people sending to publishers at the same time? Fine with it, honestly. Just know on the writer side of things that that does reduce not your chances, but that reduces your pool of submissions that we can possibly do for you. So like, for example, let's say there are so many good independent and small presses that accept submissions from writers. So let's say it's Coffeehouse Press, right? I love Coffeehouse Press and they accept, I want to say submissions from authors. If you submit to them and you got a rejection, that means that if I feel your book is perfect for them and I have a relationship with that editor over there, I'm probably not going to be able to send it to Coffee House for consideration again because they've passed on it before. So that's really the only thing. But personally, I think querying is so difficult and takes so long. Same with submitting to presses. You should do them at the same time if you feel comfortable with what that means for you as a writer. Is this the last one? I think it's the last one. I think this is the last. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad that this is a YA too, because I think this is the YA we've seen so far in my inbox. It's about 80,000 words, which is a sweet spot. That's nice. I would say for me, 70 to 80 is great for YA. The first paragraph is great. It says that they saw that I was looking for X, Y, and Z in my manuscript wishlist site, and they're hoping that my book fits those interests. They list the title, the genre, the fact that it's contemporary, and just in one sentence gives me the gist of the book, which I love. I love to know just like overall, let's say I were to pitch this to someone else, what would I say? And then it goes on to say that it features a diverse cast, which I always appreciate, where the setting is, and it has some comp titles as well, which is nice. This is a really well done first paragraph. So far, I have everything I need to really just jump to the sample and take a look and see if it's something that I think is well written. The middle two paragraphs is a more detailed synopsis of the setting as well as the plot. And then the last paragraph notes that this person was previously represented and amicably split with their agent, which I'm seeing a lot, and that the book was never at submission, which is important to note. And then just a couple of sentences on their identity and their background, where they're coming from and why they wrote the book. And that's it. And it's really a perfect query. We ended on perfection. This is amazing. Wait, are you going to request any of these? Okay, so I have requested the last two, and the other ones have come in so recently. I haven't honestly taken a look at them. Oh, this is amazing. Can I ask you, so we've gotten over the queries. What do you look for in a first page? What I look for in the first page is, first of all, it has to be really well written and tightly written, for lack of a better way to say. It has to flow well and it has to... Even if it's not literary fiction, even if it's contemporary YA and doesn't need to be literary style writing, that's what I look for personally. So for me, if the first page isn't close to perfect as far as like the voice that I'm looking for, the writing style that I'm looking for, then that tells me that probably the rest of the manuscript isn't going to get to that. Because I know that querying writers spend an immense amount of time on those first few pages because it's what we look at first. So really the first, I would say five pages, usually makes it or breaks it for me. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I think this was a very thoughtful, nice discussion that will keep writers from being scared. Thank you. Yes. It's not as scary as you think it is. You know, we are trying our best over here, just like you are. And know that even when it feels like you're just sending these out into a void, someone is looking at them and someone cares in us because we want to find you. And I hope everyone can hear over the past half hour or so that you really do care. I think people can hear in your voice that you really do care. You're not just like another one of these. And that you are putting thought into treating every writer with respect. I think everyone will appreciate that. And I'll just add, I know there's a lot out there about the success rate of cold querying and querying on query manager and things like that when you haven't like had a personal connection with the agent. I would just say that 95% of my list comes from query manager and cold queries. This is the main place where I'm looking for talent and talent is there. So don't feel discouraged. If you see someone else's request rate is so much higher than yours, that's okay. Your time will come. This has been wonderful. Wait, wait, wait. I can't wait anymore. Can we please talk about new adults? Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know, it's been interesting because I will get new adult queries and as I'm reading it, I will try to place it like, okay, if I were to try to sell this, am I going to do YA or am I going to go for adult. And I do have works that I represent that are in that sweet spot of new adult that sometimes go both ways where I'll try a couple of adult editors that I know it would be good for and the same on YA because it could go either way. But I don't send submissions out as new adult. I think it's a scary word still in the publishing industry. But it doesn't have to be. I always feel like there's got to be that one runaway bestseller that quote unquote proves that something like that can sell in that moment. And then suddenly there are a lot more. So I think it's still possible. And I think one of the things that happened is that a lot of the time people think new adult always means a romance with a semi-toxic guy or something very, very specific. And every so often I find myself enjoying one of those. And I hate myself for it. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, the, have you read Tell Me Lies? It's so toxic. And everyone's like, it's so subtle. I think he's like a covert narcissist of some kind. I'm like, all these awful things are happening. But I'm just like, oh my God, I understand why she feels so tortured. And I need to see what happens kind of situation. I, I think television especially has progressed a little bit more and is further along in like this embracing of the new adult genre than books have been so far. Like you for is a perfect example of this. Euphoria is not for freshmen in high school. I think that this is a move that the publishing industry will have to realize sooner rather than later because this is, I think, a new space that a lot of people are looking for books in because times have changed. Especially in the last few years, a lot of people who are fresh out of college, perhaps, and just like starting to figure out adulting, quote unquote, and what being an adult means are looking for comfort. However, when they go for comfort in their reading in YA, they're not finding it there. They're not seeing themselves there because they're older than that. They've matured than that. And they have different problems, problems that are unique to, I would say, probably 18 to 24 year olds. And, you know, that's always been a subset of every generation, but I think 18 to 24 year olds today have faced a lot recently and deserve a genre of their own, a space of their own to go to for comfort where they absolutely they're dealing with. Absolutely. And where did everyone think the YA readers were going to go? That's my big question because we have this huge market. We know inevitably they're going to get a little bit older. What are we going to give them then? Are they, are we just going to be like, go have fun with your college textbooks? Like, no. I mean, I think I stopped reading between 18 and 24 because I couldn't find anything that fit. I couldn't 
find my space. So I think that's really interesting. And I feel like there are examples of things. And again, it's TV. Like, I feel like Broad City really hit that for me. Oh, yes. Because they were having all kinds of problems with the practical living stuff you're figuring out at that time. And I related so much to that and appreciated that so much. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I was watching Broad City when I was in college and I felt very much in the same place. What are you reading right now that you're reading? Maybe a short story collection. What am I reading right now? Okay, so it's odd because in college, I was a human health major and I studied Italian as well. So I wasn't an English or journalism major like a lot of people in the publishing industry are. So around when the pandemic started, I realized that I kind of lost out on all of this essential reading that I should read and I should have read. So I've been kind of catching up on a lot of classics. I think the last book, I'll give you three and I'll be quick. So the last book that I read or that I'm reading that I really love is Bukowski's Post Office. I love that. And I'm very surprised to find just how entertained I was by Bukowski's writing. He's so funny. The last collection that I read is actually one of my clients called Trees, Those Leaves, This Flower, That Fruit, which is a poetry collection by Hayan Chirara. This book was published by Milkweed earlier this year, and it is just gorgeous. I found myself like a dork reading it out loud at a hotel room when I was at a conference recently. It was that good. So that one. And then the last book that I have really enjoyed working on is Chris Eagle's Dwell Here and Prosper. It's one of those books where I've just worked on it because I felt in every bone of my body that it is a book that really needed to be out in the world. It's going to be published in May of next year. So not too soon for now, but that's one that For me, it's like, you know, I go back to it again and again and throughout my day, I'll see something and think of a reference to the book, even though it's not a physical thing quite yet. My gosh. Do you want to choose one of those that we will give out to a listener? Sure. Let's let's make it high on Ferrara's book because Chris Eagle's one is not published yet. Fantastic. Great. And so can you give us a code word for the listener that is first to email us and we'll send out that amazing book of poetry? Sure. The code word will be poodle. Poodle. I love it. Okay. So the first person to email academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with poodle in the subject line will get a copy of this wonderful book. And as you can hear, Ismita is wonderful and will respect your work and give you lots of insight and probably be fun while doing so. So if you'd like to book a meeting with her, check out the show notes for a link to book a query or first 10 pages or first 30 pages consultation. Thank you so much. This was terrific. Yeah, this was great. Thank you. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our first pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with first pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.